Well, guys, happy Sunday to you. We're going to wrap up our series today, Life, Money, and Legacy. This week has been a really busy week with the last week of camp, and I'm so thankful for what God is doing, and so glad to be back on, uh, getting on the teaching rotation. I'm going to teach this week, next week, and then we have one more week. So we have this week, two weeks, and then we're going to take a break on our online just for about six weeks. We're going to do some training locally in Fredericksburg. So if you are local, we would love for you to come on Sundays at Rocky Run for the last two Sundays of August and at the property of the new facility uh, all of September. And we're going to do some training. So on the online experience, is going to look a little different. You're going to have the teaching and maybe a song, and that's about it. Uh, we're going to use that for our watch parties in person in Fredericksburg as well. So hopefully that's helpful to you. I just want to give you a fair warning. Well, money is fun if you got some. But to get some money, you have to work at it. And for some of us, we think work is a bad thing. Work, in fact, is a really good thing. It's a purposeful thing. It's something that God actually gifted us with. So it's not just management theory. It's, in fact, an activity. It's something that God wants us to do. And it takes work, especially when you do it with someone else. Married couples early on, they are trying to accumulate in matter of months and maybe the first year of marriage what it took their parents decades, decades to accumulate. And what happens is it leads to making some really dumb financial decisions. We go into debt. We're trying to get this. We're trying to get that. And what we begin to do is we begin to leverage our margin and we have very little margin left over. And it leads to financial stress. It leads to spiritual stress. I mean, we have an enemy that wants us to feel guilt and shame. It wants to wreck our identity. And we also not only deal with financial stress and spiritual stress, but family stress. Relationships are marked by fighting about money. And then also personal stress. Like you're stressed out and maybe you're praying or maybe you're thinking, man, if I just win the lottery, everything's going to be fixed. In fact, I, true, I believe this to be true and you may too. Money makes us more of what we really are. Pain is not a deferred method of learning for most people, but I believe that pain is a very thorough teacher. See, we can expect to experience pain if we ignore the common sense and the instructions for money that God provides in his word. And Dave Ramsey talks about doing dumb with zeros on the end of it. And if we're honest, we've all been there. We've all made mistakes we wish we could take back, including the area of finances. Take a look at this. So Phil recruited me to sell these cards, and now I am recruiting you. Who is this guy again? Don't worry about Phil. He drives a Corvette. He is doing just fine. Okay. Calling cards are the wave of the future. These things sell themselves. Who uses calling cards anyway? You know what? That's a nice attitude, Ryan. I'm just helping you invest in your future, my friend. This sounds like a get-rich-quick scheme. Yes. Thank you. You will get rich quick. We all will. Didn't you lose a lot of money on that other investment, the one from the email? You know what, Toby? When the son of the deposed king of Nigeria emails you directly asking for help, you help. His father ran the freaking country, okay? All right, so raise your hand if you want to get rich. All right. No, um, how is this not a pyramid scheme? All right, let me explain again. <laughs> Phil has recruited me and another guy. Now we are getting three people 
each, the more people that get involved, the more people who are investing, the more money we're all going to make. It's not a pyramid scheme. It is a, it's not even a scheme per se. It's I have to go make a call. Like you're led to believe something, all of a sudden you make a decision, and it's like, ah, oh, it was the wrong decision. We've all been there. In fact, and I believe this to be true about my own life, I easily falter when I'm left to my own devices. I easily falter when I'm left to my own devices, and I believe that we are too. We easily falter when we are left to our own devices, and we need somewhere to turn for genuine wisdom. And I believe that God provides us wisdom, the wisdom that we need to handle not just every area of our life, but including financial. So the Bible talks about money and finances, and it has hundreds of references to money and our possessions. And so some of them relate to the proper view of money, while others deal with the spiritual warning signs of letting our stuff, not letting our stuff get out of perspective. And so many of the verses we're going to look at today teach us about practical, tactical things that we can do to handle money God's way. So let's start with this truth. It's true, and this is the fact, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This is from Psalm 24, 1. The world and all its people belong to him. So God owns it all. He owns it all. And we're simply managers or stewards. And unfortunately, stewardship, a uh, misunderstood term these days. It's a misunderstood term these days. So inside the church, you have the idea of stewardship, right? And it has come to mean like a building campaign or a fundraiser. You hear things like, well, be a good steward and, and give to this campaign or give to this project or give to this fundraiser. Outside the church, we hear the word stewardship and it's usually associated with taking care of the environment. To understand how we're supposed to handle God's resources, we need to an accurate understanding of what a steward is all about. So real stewardship or being a real steward means this. You're an asset manager for God. You're an asset manager for God. So when the King James Version was written in the medieval times, they used the word steward intentionally. And the reason why is in the medieval times, the Lord would roll over a realm. But the Lord had a steward or a manager to manage all his assets and his business dealings. So the steward, the manager, cared for the Lord's holdings even though he didn't own any himself. The steward enjoyed the pleasure of the Lord when he faithfully executed rightly all the Lord's resources. So the translators of the King James Version saw that the word steward was a perfect word to describe how we, we should view ourselves in relation to God's resources and blessings. In fact, we don't own anything. You don't own anything. I don't own anything. And this is why this is so important. We are called to manage the Lord's resources. We are we are called to manage the wealth of the Lord. So stewards are really asset managers. You're an asset manager. I'm an asset manager. And it's about how we handle his wealth, his possessions, his resources. And then our dealings ought to benefit him. Like Jesus is our king, right? And we're called to follow our king. Well, a king requires submission. 
And the way that we handle his resources ought to be a blessing to him, to others, and to make his name great and famous in our community and in, around the world. So if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to know what he says about money. And so there's going to be five basics we're going to get for biblical finance, five basic principles that we're going to pull from his word. Okay, so this is from God. This is what God wants us to know about finances, the five basic truths, five basic principles, and apply those in our lives. So here we go. Number one, the first basic for all of us is to get on a budget. Get on a budget. Make a plan for your money on paper, on purpose, before the month begins. In fact, if you're married, it's really important that you agree on it with your spouse. Notice what Jesus says, and, and maybe you're investigating Jesus. Maybe someone invited you to watch this. Maybe you're on the fence about him. This is, one, this is someone who pulled off, who predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. I want to listen to everything he says. So this is what he says. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who can begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. So here's what budgeting does. Budgeting creates a cause and effect dynamic. God rewards competence. Notice Jesus says this, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large things. The details matter. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. This is about humility. This is about him trusting us with little and then adding more. I love what John Maxwell says, a budget tells your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Second, basic for all of us is to get out of debt and stay out. To get out of debt and stay out. See, when you get out of debt, you have money. Notice this proverb. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrow is servant to the lender. See, slaves have no options. right? They serve the master. Slaves are stuck in jobs they may not like. And slaves can't be generous because they have very little to give. So in scripture, God never used debt to bless his people and debt is never shown in a, in a positive light. It's not sin nor a salvation issue. It's just not smart. There's nothing wrong with having nice stuff as long as your nice stuff doesn't have you. Let's say that again. There's nothing wrong with having nice stuff just as long as your nice stuff doesn't have you. Number three, the third basic for all of us is to build quality relationships. Dysfunction in the family costs money. Someone once said marriage is grand, but divorce costs five grand. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. He says, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. In his book, The Millionaire Mind, author Dr. Thomas Stanley studied the habits and characteristics of millionaires. And most of the high correlating factors among millionaires involve personal relationships. Like on TV and in the movies, it seems like the characters who stab the other person in the back, you know, they're like not a nice person. They're the ones that get the promotions. Well, in real life, it's the opposite. You know, those guys, the bad guys don't win. People of high character win in the end. Here's the truth. You become like the people you hang with. 
you become like the people you hang with. Uh, someone once told me, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The fact is, the books you read and the movies you watch are influenced by your closest associates. These affect your income. So we all have crazy in our families. But we don't need to join the crazy. We don't need to join the dysfunction. We should become careful stewards or managers in every aspect of our lives, our time, our talents, our resources, and our relationships. Why? Because God owns it all. The fourth basic for all of us is to save and invest money. The proverb says this, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. It's not faith to waste all you have and then trust God to provide. It's wise to save and invest for the future. You should save for three things. Number one, save for emergencies. Rainy days will come, so get ready for them. You got to get ready for them. Now, our washer broke a couple months ago. Thankfully, we had a $1,000 emergency fund set aside. We go into Lowe's. They end up having a sale. We end up getting a washer for about $700. We replenished it the next month. Thankfully, I wasn't stressed. I wasn't concerned. We knew that it had a good long life of 10 years. Wow. All right. So we walked right in. Before that emergency fund, I would have been stressed out. I would have been anxious. I wouldn't have slept. The fact is, guys, rainy days happen to all of us. We have to be prepared. So not only save for emergencies, but to save to buy things with cash. Like when you pay for it, you own it. But when you have payments, you probably may end up hating it before it's paid off. Number three, not only do you want to save for emergencies, buy things with cash, but save and invest for the future. Like there's no excuse to retire broke. Investing $100 a month in a good stock mutual fund can average for 40 years from 30 to 70, 30 years old to 70 years old, can yield roughly $1 million. So this advice might sound weird, but it's okay to be weird because normal is broke. So the final, and perhaps this should be first, but I want it on your mind. That's to give. And we talked about this last week. It's to give. You must decide, this is what Paul writes, you must decide in your heart how much to give. There are people in, in that local church that was struggling with giving. He says, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So we talked about this last week. You start with giving your tithe to the local church or bringing your tithe to the local church. But you should also look around you for ways to meet other needs. So this is what God says and through the prophet Malachi to the nation of Israel. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Remember, it was an agricultural economy back then. If you do, said the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. When it comes to the law, when it came to the law, it was very clear that you brought the tithe. The tithe, 10% of your income, was the standard for giving. And the tithe doesn't even belong to the giver belongs to God. God's people weren't even to think about the tithe as their own to do whatever they pleased. 
Instead, it was the Lord's, and they were automatically giving it back to him. And this is why we bring the tithe, and this is why we give offerings. Offerings are above and beyond a tithe. So we might fight back a little bit. Well, the tithe was Old Testament law. In fact, the tithe started way before the law. We know for sure it started with Abraham. Well, it, 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 at least Abraham did it. He practiced it. Years before the law, Abraham practiced tithing. And people would argue that it really started with Abel with first fruits. Abel was the son of Adam and Eve. So if we keep something that belongs to someone, let me ask you this. If we, if we keep something that belongs to someone else, what does that make us? What does that make you? What does that make me? Yeah, it makes us a thief. It makes us a thief. See, giving involves spiritual warfare. For some of us, it's not easy to give. But we are required by God, commanded by God, to give back to support the local church. God promises to rebuke the devourer, our enemy, for our sakes when we faithfully give. Guys, we serve a big God who can protect us and meet our needs. I truly believe this to be the case. Successful people are always givers. Dave Ramsey says it this way, you will never win with money until you learn how to give. About 10 years ago, um, it might have been about, yeah, about 10 years ago, uh, we were working in, in another church uh, up north, and I was a teaching pastor. I was on staff. And uh, there was a family in our church, and they had a daughter that had a, had a brain disease. And they had two older kids that, were, um, that needed a car, and they couldn't afford it because of everything going on. They had a bigger family. And so I, I'm praying one morning, and I feel like the Lord is telling me to give us to give them our car and our car was a paid off toyota camry and if you know me like that's a big shift in my thinking so i talked with jenny about it and i said i feel like the holy spirit is leading us to give them our car and she said to me she says i believe that because that doesn't sound like you She's like, that does not sound like you. That sounds like the Holy Spirit. She's like, I'm all for it. God, let's do it. I go in the next day and I meet with the family. And I say, hey, I just feel like this is the Holy Spirit leading me to do. This is something we want to do for you. And, uh, we gave them the car and we needed a new car. Uh, that night, there was a hailstorm. And so... Uh, we go in the next day, uh, once we get give them our car, we go in the next day, we get a new car, and we're at the Toyota dealership, and uh, there's a few cars off to the side, and we're like, hey, what's with those cars over there? And he was like, well, they got dented up by the hail. I'm like, oh, you're kidding. He was like, yeah, we're selling them, and they're discounted. I'm like, you're kidding. So we go over there, get in the car, drive around, and we're like, this is what we want. End up saving $8,000 on the car. We got 0% and we end up paying it off, I think, in eight months. I needed to be reminded. I was faithful in tithing. I gave above and beyond. We gave above and beyond our tithe. But I needed to be reminded that God is a giver. And we reflect his character when we give. I think for some of us, man, we were... 
we, we automatically tithe, right? And, it, and we don't really feel it. We, we, just, we just tithe and we're like, okay, we're good. We did, we did our duty. But I truly believe that God wants us to live by faith. He wants us to trust him because giving reflects his character. And giving transforms you and I into generous people and it changes our spirit. It, it helps us to be the person that God has intended us to be as a follower of Jesus. We're the most like God, our Heavenly Father, when we give. And giving is not a matter of salvation. I mean, God loves you and he cannot love you more than he already has, but nothing, and nothing can stop him from being you being his, ch- his child. Please understand that. Like, it doesn't keep you from being saved or anything like that. While he's not looking for people who have it all together and do everything right, he is looking for faithful stewards. He's looking for faithful managers who will handle his resources well. That's his call on your life. That's his call on my life. The biblical principle is that those who can be trusted will be entrusted with more. So when you practice God's ways of handling money, he makes a difference in your life. It's not magic or some prosperity theology. It works because it's God's plan. And these biblical principles are easy to understand, but they're very hard to practice. And so we hope this series has been helpful to you because we believe these principles and this wisdom, it's difficult to implement, but we believe they work and they honor God. So are you willing, are you able to be a faithful manager of what belongs to God? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing us to read your word and learn about these biblical principles on how to handle money. Help us to be faithful managers of what belongs to you. Father, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, help us to understand, help us to understand that we are to be in complete submission to Jesus, who is our King and Lord. Father, for those who are on the fence about Christianity, I ask that you will draw them to yourself, that you will show them your generosity, your generous heart on how Jesus took their place on the cross to die for their sin. And he came back from the dead to exchange our spiritual death spiritual life. We can live because of the resurrection. Help them to see that and embrace that. Father, help us to be faithful stewards in Jesus' name. Amen.